Good morning, Encounter Church. How y'all doing this morning? Woo, all right, all right. A couple people are doing good. Hey, what's up all y'all online? We love our online worship community. We see you out there. Feel free to drop us a line in the comments section. Let us know where you're watching from. We love to connect with you. My name is Dylan Harper. I'm an intern here at the church. I'm also Canadian, so if I say a few words kind of funny, you know why? Hey, you know, it's cool. Um, now, before we dig into God's Word, I want to share one important thing with you. We've got this awesome event coming up in about a week and a half, October 15th. It's a Friday night where we have this opportunity to reach our hands out to the community. We're expecting over a thousand of our neighbors, mostly unchurched, to co come to this building, to this location here at Kentwood to experience our Trunk or Treat event. And what we do is we set up cars out in the parking lot where people like you can actually bring your car, your friend's car, your family car, whatever, and you can decorate a trunk in any theme that you want, Christmas, Easter, or just go with the traditional Halloween, whatever your vibe is. We fill it up with candy, we, handy can we hand candy out to these uh, neighbors, and then we also have some stuff going on inside the church where you can set up a table. We also just need people to donate candy, and this is an awesome opportunity. It's not, not just an event, there's a bigger thing going on here where our hope is that many of these unchurched families will come here, well, they'll experience a good time with us here, and then they'll make that courageous next step to come back on Sunday morning and worship God together with us, experiencing His love and His grace with us. And we get, we get to be a part of that, so we need y'all to step up and help with that. So before you leave here today, head on over to the starting point desk and find out where you can serve, where you can help out, or go to EncounterChurch.org, click on the events tab, and you can find out all the information there. It's going to be a great time. But hey, enough about that. We are here because we are in the fourth part of our series called Five Words to Change Your Life. And it has been a great series because we are believing that God will do big things with small words. And that the right words spoken at the right time in the right way can and will change your life. And so the past three weeks, Pastor Dirk has been crushing it. We've looked at the words yes, no, and help. That yes will open up new doors. No will guard your life and protect you from harm. And last week he taught us about help. And that when we have the courage to like legitimately ask God for help, he will. He will help us. It's an amazing thing. And today, we are looking at the word enough. And I'm going to be the first to admit, I'm not always the best at knowing when and how to say enough. Take this here, for example. How many coffee lovers have we got in this place? Yeah? A few of you? A few of you? Okay, you obviously haven't had enough coffee because you're way too quiet to be coffee lovers. But my mother once told me, I mean, she told me a lot when I was growing up. She'd say, son, everything in moderation. I believed that for a lot of my life, until I met Jesus, and until I had my first cup of coffee. And I tell you, my wife and I and my daughter, we actually moved across the country. We moved from the east side of Toronto all the way to Grand Rapids because we heard about this legendary church that actually has like an untapped supply of coffee they offer for free. Not just coffee, but lattes and espresso. And so we had to come check this church out. We came, and then we heard about the mission, and we just fell in love with bringing people far from God to new life in Christ. That's this church, just in case you didn't know. We came for the coffee. We stayed for the mission. The rest is history. We just love it here. But I got to admit, I have a hard time knowing when to say enough when it comes to my coffee and if we're honest, I think coffee might be one of the most acceptable Christian vices. Am I right? I mean, caffeine is a legitimate addiction. You know, if you drink a lot of pop or a lot of coffee, you cut it out, you're going you're gonna to experience something different. 
But let me tell you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to cast a little bit of judgment upon me, okay? This is what my typical day looks like when it comes to coffee, okay? I wake up at 6 a.m., I got my devotion coffee. It's all good. By 8 a.m., I'm, I'm commuting, so I need my commuter coffee, right? And I mean, when I say commute, I mean like I walk across the belt line. I, I attend Calvin Seminaries, and I live just across the street. So like we're talking like a three-minute walk, but I need my commuter coffee. I attend to class by 9.30, 10 o'clock. You know, I'm looking for my next top-up, my next fill-up before lunch to get me through to lunch. And then, you know, in the afternoon, I got to have my, you know, afternoon avoid the crash coffee. Y'all know if you're a coffee drinker, that's probably the most important coffee of the day. And then I'll make it to dinner time typically. And then right after dinner, I'll have my post-dinner dessert coffee. And then oftentimes I'll even have like, you know, a later evening coffee. Not too late, but late enough. And then, you know, I wonder why I find myself laying in bed at night at 1 a.m. with my mind racing. My body's just buzzing. And I'm like, ah, I've done it again again, because I just don't know when to say enough. And I think we often just don't know how to say enough. Like, how many hours of Netflix do we need to binge on a random Tuesday night before we say enough? Is it when you wake up at 3 a.m. with a kink in your neck and chip crumbs on your shirt and all the lights are still on, just wasting hydro, and you've got that screen up on your TV that's like, Asking you, are you still watching season three of Fuller House? And you're like, no. <laughs> Who's been watching my TV without me looking, right? We just don't know when to say enough. Or maybe you've had one of those days when you got home from a hard day of work or a hard day of classes, whatever it is, and you've got a bunch of stuff to do in the evening, but you know, you're just tired. You just want to kick your feet up for a couple of minutes, check some notifications on your phone. Next thing you know, your low battery light is flashing, and you've wasted two hours of your life just scrolling and trolling, watching cat videos, and filling up your Amazon cart with all sorts of amazing stuff that you probably don't need. And the next thing you know, you're, you're swimming in credit card debt because you forgot you set up that automatic feature on your Amazon where the minute you put something in your cart, there's somebody in a warehouse somewhere getting it on a truck so that you can have it first thing the next morning. And you find yourself crying out, why, Jeff Bezos? I just don't know when to say enough. We often just don't know when to say enough. And in fact, I, I was actually going to do some legitimate research for this message. I was going to dig real deep, guys. Check this out. I was actually going to try and contact the producers of the Fast and Furious franchise and ask them what their thoughts are on enough. But clearly we all know that they have no idea where enough is. But seriously, for others might look like a, a failed test score because you didn't know when to say enough and instead you chose to stay up all night playing Fortnite with some friends online. For others, it might look like maybe you woke up one morning next to your girlfriend or boyfriend and realized that maybe you should have said enough after that second drink at the bar, let alone the third and the fourth or the fifth one. You know what I'm talking about? For others, maybe you're approaching retirement and it's this moment you've been waiting for your whole life. It's this glorious moment that we all work towards. It should be so exciting, but yet you find yourself crying out to God for help with broken relationships with your spouse or your kids because you've spent the last 25 or 35 years working an excessive amount of overtime because you just thought, if I could just have a little more money, if I could just have a little more, my life will be that much better on the other side of retirement. We just often don't know when or how to say enough. See, our appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. 
There seems to be this constant gap between what we have and what we want or what we think we need. We think that we need more, and, and more is never enough because enough is a destination that we never truly arrive at. And that one word, enough, if it's not spoken at the right time or the right way, it could lead to some pretty unsavory results. But don't be surprised when I tell you that God knows. God knows our struggle with all this stuff. He knows how hard time we have with saying enough. And that's why he provides us with stories like the one that we're going to dig into here this morning in Luke 12. So if you have a Bible with you, I would love for you to pull it out. There will also be the scriptures up on the screen. And hey, just so you know, we are a phone-friendly church. So if you want to pull your phone out and track along with me, I will trust that you're not scrolling Instagram or responding to some Snapchats or something like that. Luke. Luke is one of the four authors of the gospel message, the Jesus story. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today the story that we're going to look at is actually more like a, a parable. It starts as a story and kind of shifts to a parable. And parable is simply a, a short story told by Jesus where he teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. And sometimes, well, sometimes these parables can hit pretty hard. I don't know what your translation kind of titles this one, but mine, mine was a little bit savage. Mine called it the parable of the rich fool. But I think we can get it. I don't think we're going to get offended. I think we can dig in here and just call it what it is, right? The parable of the rich fool. And we're going to pick the story up in verse 13. That's Luke 12, verse 13. And, and here's what's going on. Let me paint a picture for us, okay? Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people who have gathered to either hear him speak or to see him witness him perform miracles or maybe even they're pursuing a miracle themselves, some kind of a healing maybe for them or, or for a family member or something. And basically, Jesus does this like really funny thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but I mean, it's all this, you know, chaos going on in the crowds. He, he hits the pause button. He hits the pause and he sometimes, he turns to his disciples and kind of like just ignores this and teaches them something. And so we're picking up the story when Jesus just turns back to the crowd he hits the unpause button, and here we are in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, them being the brother, the disciples, the onlookers, like all the people, he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Imagine this. Thousands of people have gathered. And somehow this one guy, this brother, gets Jesus' attention. I mean, come on, that's like hitting the triple sevens on the slots or getting all the numbers for the 700 million Michigan lottery right now. It's just unbelievable. He's got this one shot to make, one chance to ask Jesus, ask this rabbi the most deep, introspective, potentially life-transforming question. But no, he is so enamored in his pursuit of more that he wastes this opportunity and he asks Jesus to simply settle an inheritance dispute. And I mean, the guy's not even nice about it. It's not even like he's asking. He's telling Jesus. He's demanding Jesus. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You see, back in the days of Israel, Jewish law stated that 
the firstborn would receive a double portion of the family inheritance. And if you're a fact checker and a note taker, jot down Deuteronomy 21, verse 17. That's where you'll find that. Basically, it was a well-known fact back then that the firstborn, the one that received that double portion, had a much better chance of succeeding in life. Like, I don't just mean, like, succeeding in the sense of, like, being healthy and living, like, a decent lifestyle. No, we're talking, like, living that lavishly comfortable lifestyle of, like, all the things, all the pleasures of the world that were offered to him back then. That's the kind of lifestyle that he is pursuing. So, can we just call it? Like, we see that. I hope you see it this way. I mean, the younger, this brother, this younger brother, he's, he's selfish. He's greedy. He obviously only cares about himself, and he has no idea how or when to say enough. He wants more than his legally entitled share of the inheritance. He wants a a bigger piece of the pie. So we have what I would call like a first century OG materialist. Like, you know, one of the first right here. And he is chasing the endless pursuit of more. And since rabbis were known to settle disputes like this, I guess in one way it kind of makes sense. Maybe he didn't see Jesus as the Son of Man. We're assuming he's Jewish. He knows the Jewish law, obviously. But maybe. But Jesus here, I mean, Jesus is no normal rabbi. We know that, so he ain't having it, right? Therefore, Jesus, he refuses to have anything to do with this materialistic request. Why, you might wonder? Simply put, Jesus didn't come to this earth to bring possessions to people. He came to this earth to bring people to God. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come to this earth to bring possessions to people. He came to bring people to God. Amen. That's right. Preach it, brother. God doesn't care about our stuff. It's, it's fine if you're rich. It's fine if you have tons of stuff. The problem comes when you, when you hoard it, when you hold on to it just for yourself, and you're, you're selfish, and you're, you're greedy about it. See, in Jesus, he cares about what's in here. He cares about the state of our heart. He cared about the state of this man's heart. He didn't care about who got what or who got how much. It's no different for us today. And so I want want you to hear this statement before we carry on in the the parable. The statement is that when God is your enough, you never need more. When God is our enough, we never need more. So in response to this, Jesus says to all the people, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus is trying to warn all the people living in an age of affluence. He's trying to warn them of the perils of selfishness and and of greed, that endless pursuit of more. See, if we're honest with each other, church, like right now we are living in perhaps the most affluential time in history. You know, never has there been more money in circulation. Never has there been more stuff for us to be able to, to buy and consume and hang on to. I mean, surely you've bought something on Amazon before. Isn't it stressful knowing that, like, you're looking for one product and yet there's 15,000 different options for you to choose from? Because there's just so much. There's this abundance of stuff. And there's never been a better time for us to avoid knowing how or when to say Enough. So I don't think Jesus is just talking to the brother here. He's not just talking to the disciples. He's not just talking to those onlookers, those thousands gathered. He's, he's looking at you, and he's looking at me right in the eye. 
when he proceeds with the rest of this, when he proceeds with this parable right here, picking up in verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Ten times. Did you hear it? Ten times the farmer makes reference to me, myself, and I. It's even worse in the original language. In the Greek, it actually goes up to 12 times. That's a dozen me, myself, and I's. And I mean, this is not some narrative coincidence in God's word. There are no coincidences in God's word. What this is, is an, an intentional way to highlight this man's ingrained selfishness. So he's arrived at a place in his life where it's all about him, to the point where his stuff now owns him. He's not, you know, working and serving his stuff by any means and helping his, or helping his stuff serve him. He's now having his stuff own him because he's tearing down his hard-worked barns. Like, he's, he's obviously had to put time into building these barns, and he's going to tear all that down to make room for a little bit more. Just a, a little bit more. His stuff now owns him. So here in this light, let me, let me add a little emphasis to it. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my crops or my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you're so great. You've worked so hard. Take it easy. See, Jesus doesn't want us to miss the point here. Point being that there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with this massively abundant harvest. There's nothing wrong with being rich and having nice stuff. No. The problem occurs when we and the farmer become selfish. We make the selfish decision to hold on to everything to ourselves, all of it, just for ourselves. You know, ter tearing down our, our barns to build bigger ones. It's me, myself, and I all the way to the bank in the endless pursuit of more. Now, you might find this hard to believe. I kind of did. But in 2015, there was a survey done on American millionaires that revealed more than half of them claimed they did not feel financially secure. And of that half, regardless of where they were on that scale of being a millionaire, whether they had one million, ten million, or they were a multi-hundred millionaire, I don't even know what that word is, but all, almost all of them claimed that they would need at least double what they currently had in order to feel secure. Seems a little extreme, doesn't it? Now, we may or may not be in the presence of some millionaires here today. I have no idea. But let me tell you, regardless of whether you're a millionaire, this happens on every, every step of the financial ladder. Whether you're going to make $1,000 this year, $10,000 this year, or $100,000 this year, we all just want a little bit more don't we? We have a hard time knowing where to dry that line in the sand. But Jesus does. God knows where to draw it. And so check out his response here in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. 
then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich toward God. You fool. Let's let that sink in for a second here. Stings a little bit, doesn't it? Does it make you wonder what, what kind of word God might use to describe us? Describe our, our Netflix binging, our excessive amounts of overtime and that endless pursuit of more, the, the Fortnite all-nighters, the screen time reports, the Amazon credit card debt. I mean, at any moment, it can all be just taken away. Everything we've worked for, everything we've owned, everything we have could be just gone like that. Unfortunately for the farmer, he had to learn the hard way. But us, church, we don't have to. There is some good news for us here today. Believe that. Jesus does provide us with the wisdom and how to avoid this greed, how to avoid this selfishness. He tells us, in other words, how to say enough. Jesus says that if we become rich towards God, we won't end up like the farmer. If we become rich towards God, we can avoid greed. We can avoid selfishness. If we are to pursue God in the same way that we pursue a lot of these other things, we will experience that God is our enough. And when God is our enough, we never need more. If we want to close that gap between what we have and, and what we want or what we think we need, there's a couple really easy steps, a couple ways that we can just simply surrender to God and experience His enough in Christ. Because when God is our enough, we never need more. And to get us there, I want to suggest two ways that we can become rich towards God today. Now, I'm going to be honest. These are not groundbreaking, innovative ideas by any means. But I will warn you, taken seriously, these suggestions have the power to completely transform our lives from the inside out. The first one, you're, you're going to love this. first one is generosity. Enough is found in an open hand. Our ability to be generous with our finances, our ability to be generous with our stuff, our possessions, everything that we have, is an indication as to how rich we are towards God. The Apostle Paul says something super, super powerful. Check this out. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 to 8, he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, we think we need more. We think we want more. But God knows better. He's the one who provides us with enough. So when we struggle with saying enough to the next season of Fuller House that we want to binge one night, when we struggle with saying enough to 
filling up our Amazon cart with all sorts of new toys for our pet bunny. When we struggle saying enough with working the excessive overtime so we can have just a little bit more on the other side of retirement or just a little bit more for the weekend, a little more money to spend, Jesus knows. You know what he says? He says, I understand. He says, I get it. That's why I'm going to go first. That's why I'm going to go all the way to the cross for you so that you don't have to pursue more. He says, child, I am your enough. See, Jesus gave his life for your life. And because of that, we can trust that he will provide for us everything that we are ever in need of. And then some, so that we don't have to waste our time building bigger barns and pursuing that, that endless pursuit of more. But instead, we simply open up our hands. And through our generosity, our very own generosity, we can experience that, that he is enough. When God is enough, we never need more. What Jesus also says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Many of us probably have a little bit of, of bondage. We have struggles being generous. And not just with money. We get past the money thing. It's part of it, but it's just in general. Our, our ability to share and to be generous. I believe one of the only ways to really get through that is to just do it. There's something so liberating about giving. You know, maybe, maybe finances and the stuff, maybe that's not where you're building bigger barns. Maybe it's your time. Time is one of those, the most valuable asset we have, one of those things that we can never get back. We only have so much time. And so maybe you're trying to just cram more and more and more into your life each and every day. And at the end of every day, you, you lie in bed and you go, oh, I just wish I had a little more time. This leads us to our second suggestion this morning. Sabbath. Enough is found through intentional rest. Our ability to take that much-needed rest from things that consume our lives, things that consume our, our thought life, our, our actions, just everything that we give our time to, our ability to take a much-needed rest from those things is an indication as to how rich we are towards God. The Gospel of Matthew, we hear Jesus say these almost famous words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in hearts, and you will find rest for your souls. We want to do more. You know, it's in our nature to be busy, but if you're anything like me, you're probably tired. Just so much to do and not enough time to do it. 
There's a reason why God worked seven days and rested the seventh. I mean, he was on like, you know, extra double time and a half by the end of the second day. But he kept working, and he knew that we were going to need rest. So he led by example, and he modeled that, and he created a day for us to call holy, to rest in. So when we struggle with saying enough to pull in the all-nighters gaming, we struggle saying enough to watching all 17 of the Fast and Furious movies in one sitting. When we struggle saying enough to our screen time, when you're afraid to look at your screen time report, when you're getting those phantom vibrations in your pocket, when you, when you get anxiety when you're like in a different room than your phone, God knows. Jesus knows how much we struggle with fitting everything into our 24-hour days. And you know what he says? He says, I understand. He says, I understand. That's, that's why I've gone first. That's why I've gone all the way to the cross for you so that you don't have to pursue more. He says, child, I am your enough. See, Jesus gave his life for our life. And because of that, we no longer have to live chasing the endless pursuit of more, looking for our enough and all the wrong things because it is in him and only him that we will find our true enough. As the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and Jesus has made that way for us to be in constant relationship with God where he is behind us, he is with us, he is ahead of us. He is our enough in every area of this life. And these two spiritual practices, these, these simple classics practices of generosity and Sabbath rest, Help make us rich towards God and help us avoid the perils of, of greed and, and selfishness and this pursuit of more. God is our enough. See, I shared earlier that I struggle with saying enough to this. But I wasn't completely honest. You know, those nights laying in bed at 1 a.m., that, honestly, that doesn't happen to me. My inability to say enough this is so far off the scale that I can practically drink a coffee, I mean a double shot even, and I can go to bed and sleep no problem. It's, it is a problem. And just this past week I'm meeting with my mentor and we're, we're talking about this message and I brought up this, you know, the fact that, you know, I don't have a problem with the coffee. I mean, I really like it. I, I, could, I could quit any time. I could just choose not to. How often have we said like that? I, I could quit, you know. I could make the decision to say enough, but I choose not to. Well, he kind of, he stopped and <laughs> gave me one of those, you know, disapproved dad kind of looks. He's like, really? Really? Are you sure? So we finished up our coffees, and I, I took a vow that I was going to take some time off coffee. I was going to say, enough's enough. Well, I, I muddled through the rest of that day. I had a bit of headache that night. It wasn't too bad. The next day I woke up and it was like I had vice grips on my temples. You know that feeling if you ever tried to quit coffee? It's like there's something in your veins and your blood and it just like pulses all day. And I'm just like desperately wanting to go to that coffee machine and brew myself a nice 
hot coffee. But then something happened. The next day, I woke up, and I felt great. I felt like I'd slept better. I felt like I had more energy. I, when I thought about going to get a coffee, I just thought, no, I was reminded of why I chose not to, why I said enough, and it brought me back to thinking about Jesus. It gave me more time to spend with Jesus throughout my day. I just felt like I had more clarity, and I was more aligned with God for whatever reason. It just seemed to make my life better. And I realized something that, although I, I haven't mastered this thing, I mean, this, this is just water. Someone called me out after. I said, are you drinking coffee again? I said, no, this is just water. It's just a prop. I'm actually afraid to drink another coffee because I feel like I've closed that door. I've said enough, and I feel great. And although I haven't mastered this thing, and many of us have not mastered this thing, maybe we will, hope that we will, but in learning how to say enough can actually make our life better. You know, in God, God so desperately desires that through our generosity, through our open hands, through our Sabbath, through intentional rest, that we would exchange the endless pursuit of more. And instead, we would accept the reality that when God is our enough, we never need more. Please stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is enough. We thank you that you make a way for us to not have to chase that endless pursuit of more, not have to deal with the consequences of greed and selfishness, God, that you've made a way for us to accept the fact that you are our enough. And when you are our enough, we don't need more. And so, God, I pray as the Holy Spirit ministers to our hearts here this morning that you, would, that you would move and you would reveal an area in the lives of those presents where maybe they need to learn how to say enough. God, I pray that you would do this thing here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group, or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.